will lose my goddamn mind. Oh. Hey, Bill, Bill, I'm going to ask you a question. We're live right now, but who do you think is the better QB right now? Patrick Mahomes or Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson? It's got to be Derek Carr. Who's Bill? Super Duper Flex. Super oh. Duper Flex. What's up, Bill? I wasn't Bill, sure. I wasn't Bill, sure which Bill. Bill. <laughs> you're, you're such an asshole, Bill. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're live. We're having some fun. James is being technology, now. whatever. Just being slow. Well, I'm gonna um, start the actual show. So. Yeah, go ahead. You, we are you, live. You got something anyways, huh? No, I'm not going to discuss it unless John gets in here and starts spouting nonsense. Um, we're back. Actually, now I'm going to be forced to talk about it because we have to talk about the Chiefs and the Broncos. Son of a bitch. It's gonna we're be back. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying we're back until we actually start talking. <laughs> Welcome back to the live show. We are entering week seven tomorrow. I, of course, am Sam Stompy Lane. You can find me on Twitter at FF Stompy. I'm here with my friends James Katulis or James the Brain. You can find him at underscore James the Bri- Brain. James and, the Brain. Uh, Brian Har. And the, you can find Brian at Brian Har FF. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm oh, good, man. I, I, I want you, Stompy. Can we, can we take a second? James. To, and I know Hold we're, on, we're James, entering you, dangerous You didn't territory. even tweet out the link. You didn't even tweet out the link. Oh, okay. I'll, 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 uh, I'll get on there. Let's uh, Sorry, let's at least can we can we at least uh, have some somewhat of an intervention here um, before we kind of get started? And uh, can you tell me your feelings now that the Cardinals have been swept? Um, by the by the you know, I was over it. You doing okay? I was over it after the second game. Yeah, they weren't hitting, they weren't going to hit, they never hit. They almost got to hit no hit two games in a row. And I was like, this this series is over, so I'm fine. It's basketball and hockey season. Oh, I guess an NFL season too. So we're fine. <laughs> okay, okay. You but at least they made season? it and won a playoff series. Yeah, that's something. That's something. At least they weren't third in their division. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. So we are here in the live mailbag show. Um, but before we get actually started, despite the 15 false starts we've already had, uh, <laughs> I want to introduce you to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Join the longest running weekly Dynasty fantasy football podcast in the industry as we analyze the game of Dynasty football with veteran hosts Dan Mailer, Matt Price, and Ryan McDowell. Seasoned professionals who know how to win and don't take themselves too seriously. The DLF Dynasty podcast team will keep you informed and entertained all year long. And, I mean, I don't think there's a better group of guys to listen to. They're entertaining. They're very intelligent. What do you guys think? It's a group of winners right there. No no doubt. I agree. Speaking of winners. (laughs) Speaking of winners. Stompy, Are we getting into this Thursday game because uh, yeah, this is gonna, so here, Broncos, man. Yeah, so this is gonna this is gonna be interesting. So we have our Thursday night preview: Chiefs at Broncos. 
Um, two teams going in opposite directions, apparently. Uh, Chiefs have lost two in a row now. Broncos have won two in a row now, which might now, now I have a glimmer of hope for the Broncos season. They're like, Oh, what's that in the distance shining star. I don't know if it's going to end up being anything, but that defense has definitely stepped up and it's going to be an interesting game because Patrick Mahomes has struggled relatively against the Denver Broncos. The Broncos have been able to contain him a bit. And now that that defense is is kind of humming and the Chiefs' offense is kind of staggering a little bit, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than we think or a lot of people think, especially because it's a division game. Um, in terms of start-sits this game, I, I think we'll just throw around the horn here a little bit. I mean, obviously you're not sitting Patrick Mahomes, but if you have a better option and – I was posed this question earlier. If you have, if you had somebody like Dak with a healthy Amari Cooper against the Philadelphia Eagles, would you sit Mahomes versus the Broncos? No, I don't think I would. And and I I think I would. And and this might be a little bit of Homer me talking, but the Broncos have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. Um, and they've basically been the third best pass defense in the league behind obviously San Francisco, New England. And if you did have that situation where you were starting somebody like Dak Prescott, who is a top five talent in my mind at QB versus a Philadelphia Eagles secondary that has struggled this season, I would have to take a very deep look at that. And I might lean Dak at that point. Okay, so these these two specifically, I guess I could I could see it. Um, I well, let me ask you this, okay? I, just out of curiosity, so you know we're looking at the matchups, and obviously this week, you know, they're uh, we're sitting here uh, contemplating who you would start Mahomes over, who you would start over Mahomes. Uh, let's let's start by looking at the matchups, and this week one happens to belong to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they're playing the Giants. The, the one in that game. Would you consider starting Kyler Murray after two straight wins? And he's actually really put up some good numbers. Would you consider starting him over Patrick? Is it because Dak is that you would consider that? So stomp Mike. Oh, ha. <laughs> we amateurs on this what is this amateur hour uh that that's actually something that crossed my mind um with kyler murray and his legs and his ability to um throw at least in the past two games to exploit bad defenses it's definitely a good question um it's a lot harder question for me uh, I, I don't I would have to think I start Mahomes, but honestly, I could I could see myself sitting and and mind you, this is all and 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 Bill brought up Bill in the uh chat brought up a good point that you're always starting Mahomes in Superflex no matter what. This is a Superflex show after all. But if it was a single QB, 
I could see Lamar or 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 Mahomes throwing for under 300 yards and only like one touchdown tomorrow night. And I would rather have Murray in that situation. Um and it might be more of a home run versus floor type move. So if you feel like with the bye weeks and everything that you need like a huge game from somebody, then I would probably be going Murray um at that point. If you just need like a ho-hum 300 yard two touchdown game then it's definitely Mahomes yeah I I, I really have a hard time I mean I, I, obviously you're, you're right in Superflex you're always starting him um, but for me even even in one QB uh, I mean I'm not really I'm, I'm not a guy I, I play my studs almost exclusively not exclusively I do play matchups but a guy like Mahomes, I mean, you're we're, the the problem with Mahomes is we're used to thirty five to forty five point games because the guy throws for three hundred fifty yards and four touchdowns every week. That's what people expect. So when they when he doesn't hit those numbers, it's like, oh well, they're you know they're people are bottling him up or they're switching things up. And, and look, I get it, but at the same time, he's still producing. I mean, he's QB five right now. After this terrible start i just don't uh, you know i i don't think that and, and stomp i know you said about the broncos kind of bottling him up last year he threw for 300 yards in both of those games the first game he had one touchdown no picks second game he had four touchdowns one pick so you're right relatively speaking he he they've kept him more quote unquote average than what the rest of the league has done. The problem is he just has torn rip. You know, he's ripped right through the league, you know, and even this year, I mean, this guy has started 22 games now, 20. So six, I'm not good at math. 23 games, 20, mm-hmm. 22 games. He started 22 games. He's not thrown for over 300 yards in seven of those games. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I just, I think there's a good chance he throws for, close to 300 yards maybe he doesn't hit that magic number but 285 um you know they're not running the ball they they don't run the ball they're you know i they i just i think i think you can always almost almost always pencil him in for 275 285 and a touchdown or two at worst and he doesn't typically turn the ball over occasionally yes um but but i i just i i have a hard time I mean, this is the best quarterback. Here, here's the only here's the only guy, and Stompy, you're going to love this. The only guy that I would consider starting over Patrick Mahomes in a one quarterback league is Lamar Jackson. And for me, it's not because of his passing acumen, which I'm I'm I love too. But the guy's the running back eight right now. I mean, he 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 in rushing yards, he's the eighth overall player in rushing yards. So you're starting a top eight running back at the quarterback position. Plus, you get all the passing yardage and the passing touchdowns from 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 that offense. So, you know, for me, Lamar Jackson's the only guy right now, currently in this season, that I would start over Patrick Mahomes on a, you know, uh, in in under normal circumstances. Well, I guess that's the question, though, is if you have a top, let's just say five, top ten quarterback. With a top five matchup, let's just say, I mean, <laughs> Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones in my mind is not a top 10 quarterback. We're not <laughs> starting that right now, James. Um, <laughs> but 
let's say you had like you did have a Dak Prescott facing the Arizona Cardinals. Do you start Dak over Patrick Mahomes in that instance? And and you know, let's just for instance have Patrick Mahomes facing like a San Francisco 49ers or a New England Patriots. Is that like the extreme we need to go here to start somebody over Patrick Mahomes? I think it is for me. Okay. Yeah. I think the interesting thing that we're kind of forgetting is we're we're saying of all things are equal. But Mahomes isn't really 100%, guys. So that's that's the thing is that all things aren't equal. You know, he's he's struggling with an injury. He's not as mobile. Um, he's not as mobile. He's not running around. He's not running for yards. And that's that's a part of his game that when you take away, you know, it makes him a little bit more one-dimensional. It's not that he's still not buying time and making plays and uh, out there. He is. We're just not seeing it as often, and we're not seeing him do it as well as he does when he's 100%. So um, that's that's part of the interesting thing here. Well, I okay, mean, and, and on that, we, we say that, but then we look at what he's done even in these last three weeks, and he's thrown for – over 200 or over 300 yards in two of those. And then he threw for 273 yards and three touchdowns last week. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. No, you're right. And that's just it is that, you know, we, we, that's the thing with Mahomes is that he gets you that, but you know, one, one rushing attempt for negative one yards. Normally we see a little bit more than that. I mean, he's not, he's not Lamar Jackson, you know, that he has that, that fail safe where if, if he's not passing the ball, well, he can run it, you know, kind of like Lamar Jackson is proving this year he can do both. Um, so, so I don't expect those types of numbers, but um, one attempt for negative one yards. I mean, normally we see a little bit more than that from Mahomes as far as rushing goes. So I think that being, that being said, you know, it, it makes him a little bit more beatable. Um, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, he, he's, um, you know, that this is, you know, a, a red light or, you know, we have to start looking to bench him, but it, it is interesting in a tough matchup on a Thursday when he's not a hundred percent, he doesn't have, you know, he's got a few days really to get, to get healthy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's not a great situation. Kansas city could have used this, you know, a, a a full week to get him ready and to get him prepared. And um, then, you know, this Denver defense has been really good, especially these last couple of weeks. So uh, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I cannot wait. It sounds like Drew Locke is getting closer and closer to coming back. Stompy. I cannot wait for him to come back and then to have to make the decision between Flacco and Drew Locke, because um, I don't think Flacco is very good. So. That's that's just me. That's just me. I'm All sure right. John would argue with well, me. We we do have a we do have a question in the chat, but let's get through these start sits for Thursday night. So obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to be an auto start, except for in the most extreme of circumstances, especially in Superflex. Um who I mean, who else do we like in this game? I, I think Cortland Sutton has to be a start here, a green light. Uh that secondary for the Chiefs has not been great. Um, Emmanuel Sanders sounds like he's going to be play going to play, but I'm not 100% trusting that knee. So I think Cortland Sutton is a must start. I would say that Emmanuel Sanders is a green light here or, or sorry, a yellow light here just because of that knee. Um, what here, what, here's what we'll do. We'll go through, we'll go through both teams. So I don't, I think Flacco's a yellow light. He's probably a bi-week streamer slash QB two in most leagues. So he's a yellow light for me. I don't know if you guys disagree, but Kansas city chiefs defense has 
really not been good this season. Uh, I, Patrick Mahomes seems to have to drag them kicking and screaming to a win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Joe Flacco's a f- fine start. I think Philip Lindsay's got to be a green light here. Philip Lindsay's yeah. been a yeah. monster again this season. Yep. Everybody thought that Royce Freeman was going to start taking more and more opportunities from him. And while Freeman has gotten his opportunities, Lindsay just looks like the better back again this season. Um, and and it, uh, he's another one of those extreme circumstance guys where if he's facing a good run defense like New England, yeah, I, I see sitting him. But other than that, he's involved in the pass game. He's running the ball double-digit times a game. He's efficient. There's no reason that you should be sitting him. It's um, really, really interesting too, Stompy. Um, some some of the information I've been gathering, you know, the Chiefs are wetting up over five yards per carry on first down to running backs on rushing attempts. Insane. So I dug in a little bit deeper, and it's it's ridiculous. You should see the past two games where the the, the Chiefs have lost. They have they've been out. Uh, the time of possession is almost two to one. Um, in those games, uh, favoring the teams that obviously have won. And basically, they're they're running the ball. They're keeping the ball away from Mahomes and limiting his opportunity to beat them. And the Chiefs' rushing defense has been so bad, especially on the right side. Um, the right side has been terrible trying to stop the run. They're running right at Emmanuel Agba, which doesn't shock me as a Browns fan because I saw that happen an awful lot when he was in Cleveland. Even though I like the player, I really do. Um, he, he's not good against the run. He needs help. He needs support there. I think I think Philip Lindsay's probably my start of the week in this game. Um, you know, he's he's my my you know ultra green, green light. I guess uh, I would say I expect him to get a lot of work and to be efficient with it. So uh, the Chiefs have allowed the fifth most fantasy points to running backs. Duke Carlos Hyde just went for one sixteen, which just absolutely <laughs> what is going on there? <laughs> but. Uh, in each of the last four games, the Chiefs have allowed a 100-yard rusher. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely can see Lindsey getting over 100 yards, getting five-plus targets, and being a top-five running back this week. Um, no Fant is a good discussion point here as well. Um, the Chiefs haven't been good against tight ends. They haven't been awful, but they haven't been good. Uh they rank fourth in terms of fantasy points, which in, in any ordinary scenario would be terrible. But when you have the Cardinals ranking first and like allowing over six more fantasy points to tight ends than everybody else, everybody else is kind of middle of the pack at this point. But yeah, I mean, they, they allowed Darren Fels ago for 69 nice yards, um, almost a hundred yard or no over a hundred yards to tight ends last week. Uh, they allowed Hawkinson to catch 27 yards and a touchdown. They allowed Darren Waller to go for 63 yards, uh, Nick Boyle to go for 58. Um, so they're not bad, but they're certainly not good against tight ends. Is Noah Fant an option this week, especially with the way he's uh, struggled this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel really good about it, but I do think he's an option. You know, he's probably a yellow for me. So he's he's a guy that's, you know, if, if you need to play him, you can plug him in there. But I don't feel real great about it. Um, 
I, I think, I mean, look, it, moving forward, I think Noah Fant's going to be really good. He's he's athletic. He's he's going to be a really good tight end and prove worthy of that draft capital for the Broncos. I just don't know that this season is going to be where it happens, um, or or at least this early in this season. You know, as we get later into the season and he gets more reps and he gets used to the speed of the game and all that fun stuff, um, you know, I think he will start showing up more on the stat sheet. He only had one target last week, I think. So it, it just is, it, it's, I, I, I do think he's playable, um, you know, because of the matchup here. But um, I also wouldn't get your hopes up for like a huge game or anything. You know, if you can, if you can get, you know, kind of mediocre numbers out of him this week, I think that's probably, that's probably to be, you know, that you'd probably be happy with that if you're starting Noah fan at this point what Brian just said. I think Noah Fant's going to be good this year. His struggles have just been kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to start him, but on a bye week, you know, with bye weeks this week in a positive matchup, um, I wouldn't mind starting him if I had to. So yeah, I'm, I'm with Brian there. I think, uh, I think that's probably the way I'd approach that too. stomp your, uh, your mic, bud. God damn. Am I good <laughs> at this or what? Ugh, I'm not editing any of this either. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I don't think Freeman's a start this week by any means. I mean, he's a bi-week fill in, in extreme circumstances, but this is Lindsay's backfield. Um, on the KC side, obviously Mahomes, obviously Kelsey, obviously Hill. Is there anybody else you're really trusting? Because in that in the backfield, Damian Williams in his first game back took 34 snaps to LaShawn McCoy's 14, but last week it was 29 to 22 McCoy. I, I I don't know what the what Andy Reid's doing. I, I mean, I can't. I don't understand what he's doing with this backfield. Um, Damian Williams had one carry last week, and he in in the previous week, I think he had eight to McCoy's zero. So I, I don't I don't know what's going on in this backfield. Are you really trusting anybody in this backfield? No, nope. I'm I'm not. So there, I mean, there, there's your answer. I, I, I can't, I mean, again, it's bye weeks and you probably have to start one of these guys at some point, but it's just tough to figure out who's going to be what. I mean, luckily Damian Williams saved his day with a touchdown last week, but other than that, you just can't trust anybody coming out of this backfield. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if Sammy Watkins is available this week. I'm guessing not because it's short. Be playing. Yep. You were right. Um, so do you, would you be starting any of like DeMarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, uh, Nicole Hardman this week at all, especially considering that the Broncos past defense has been as good as it is. I think you just said it. There's three different guys and you have no idea which guy, you know, which week it's going to be. Um, are they going to target? Is it, is, are they going back to Robinson or is this going to be Pringle again? Or is Hardman going to have a, a blow-up game? Like, we just don't know, especially now with Tyreek Hill involved. So, I'm not sure. I don't feel comfortable starting any of them. So, they, they'd all be on my bench. Yeah, I think same. I, so, you just can't trust yeah. them. So, big, basically, big three for Kansas City. And then, you, unless you're in a pickle, you're not really trusting anybody else on that team right now. Definitely makes sense. Um, we'll we'll – and so, so there you have your start sits for Thursday. Uh, obviously, start uh, Patrick Mahomes, start Kelsey, start 
Hill, uh, I think we all agree to start a uh, start Lindsay. He might be a start of the week, as James said. Flacco is a decent start in Superflex as a QB two or as a streamer in one QB. I like Sutton this week. I think he's a good start. No Font is a yellow light at this point. I think in an okay matchup. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is another yellow light in an okay matchup. Um, so there you have it. So we'll get into some questions from our viewers. Uh, Nick Choplick has a question for us. Sony, Sony, would you trade Sony Michelle for McLaurin? Um, I think the, I think we can assume this is PPR. Um, nothing really exotic about the scoring. So what do you think here? Well, to me, this is a huge, is it dynasty or is it redraft? I'm assuming it's dynasty. If it's dynasty, guys, I'm buying into McLaurin, man. I really am. Everything I see just, he shows me, he checks a lot of boxes. I really liked his film. Even when I watched, uh, you know, his, his film, you know, I was watching for, uh, for Paris Campbell and McLaurin always jumped off the film at me. So I, I came away really impressed with him and he was kind of a sleeper of mine, but when he went to, uh, to Washington, it was kind of a, a tough, tough draw for me to, to really rank him very highly, but he, uh, he, he's looked fantastic. I really like what I see from McLaurin. I think moving forward, I, I think they've addressed their wide receiver one position. They have so many other holes on that team. I don't see them needing to, to, you know, make an upgrade there for, for a long time. So to me, it's McLaurin, uh, Sony Michelle right now, uh, as high as I was on him this off season, um, he really has struggled to break tackles. He struggled to find a consistent role or any consistency in fantasy. While I still like him moving forward, it uh, it is alarming. And, you know, who knows what New England's going to do with their running backs on a weekly basis. So to me, it's McLaurin, um, especially in Dynasty. What do you guys what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and for me, I think it's it's both in Dynasty and redraft. I mean, McLaurin's the wide receiver 14 right now, and he missed a game. You know, so I, I mean, you look at his, his, his point production in PPR leagues, 23, 17, 19, he was off. Then he had the, his worst performance was eight and then 26 this past week in week six. So he's producing wide receiver one number. I mean, borderline wide receiver one numbers. Um, and, and Sony has been disappointing this year. And I don't, I don't know that we can bank on a bounce back with him either. He, he just hasn't looked effective. They have Damian Harris in the waiting. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to lean on getting out of my Sony shares altogether. Uh, so, uh, Nick, thanks for the suggestion. I may, uh, <laughs> I may go offer a few Sony shares for McLaren, um, in my league. So I appreciate that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's McLaren here. Um, you know, in my opinion. So I, I agree, but I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to argue for the other side here. So I, I think, so McLaurin, the issue with McLaurin right now is do you think he can keep up his efficiency? I believe he has five touchdowns, which has to be near the league lead in terms of wide receiver touchdowns as a rookie in a, let's just call it a bad quarterback situation and not, I don't know how much better it looks to get in the near future because we saw Dwayne Haskins in what three quarters uh, against the New York giants who have a very vulnerable secondary. And he looked at, he looked terrible and he looked like he did in the preseason. Like he's not ready for the NFL. And I think Jay Gruden 
though I don't like it, made it tried to make a point there that he's not ready. Um, so we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't think he's going to start the rest of the season unless they start on the last few games. But I think McLaurin this year in redraft, absolutely. Going into the future, it's a little iffy because, again, don't know what that QB situation looks like in the near term. Um, could Dwayne Haskins step up this offseason and, and become a good quarterback? Absolutely. And I think a lot of us assume that he, that McLaurin is going to be uh, Dwayne Haskins, I guess, safety blanket just because of their time together in Ohio at Ohio State. Um, but there's got to be a little bit of a concern with his efficiency, regression to the mean, and his quarterback situation in the future. On the flip side, it's not like Sony Michelle has been awful this year. He just hasn't been involved in the pass game. He's getting double digit fan or double digit um, touches. Oh, I think I think Brian got angry and quit. He rage quit on me. Done. That's it. He's done. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, Sony Michelle has one game of less than fifteen carries. Um, so he's had of five of six games, he's had fifteen or more carries. He's had three touchdowns as well. He's just not involved in the pass game, so his ceiling is limited. But he's going to be a solid option for you in the near term. And and mind you, this is with Rex Burkhead. This is with Brandon Bolden, who what in the hell is going on there? Like, oh, I'm just going to start stealing touches from Sony Michelle with Brandon Bolden on the goal line and Tom Brady for that matter. Um, and uh, so he, he's doing this production with James White, with Rex Burkhead, with Brandon Bolden. So I think I, I agree that it's McLaurin, but, there is something to be said that Sony Michelle continues to garner touches is, is getting work. It's just that he's not involved in the past game. So his upside is very limited. Yeah. I, I would also say the problem for me with Sony Michelle is that he's getting the, the work he's getting the touches um, out of the backfield. And like you said, probably not in the, not much in the passing game, but he's getting the handoffs. He's getting, he's getting the attempts She's not doing a whole lot with it. And that's, that's my problem is when you see him, you know, when you watch him run, it's just, I mean, there's not, he's not doing anything, you know, he doesn't show any vision. He's running where the hole should be. It's like three yards in a cloud of dust. And there just isn't a lot that you grab onto and go, man, that looks good. You know, he broke a few tackles. Like he's not breaking tackles. He's not, you know, he's not showing any vision, no, no cutback ability or anything. Um, He's just kind of running into the line. And so to me, that's what's alarming is, you know, I don't know. This isn't the same guy I saw last year. Last year, I didn't see that Sony Michelle. This was the guy in the playoffs that was breaking breaking tackles and running hard and and uh, and finding the holes and hitting it hard and that sort of thing. And I I just don't see that this year with Sony's game. I'm not sure why. Um, but I mean, at any moment that you know something could click and all this work he's getting could translate into you know some real production on the field. So you're right. I mean, if he's going to continue getting work, all that needs to happen is that light needs to click, and you know he just. He just needs to to perform a little bit better, and we saw last year he's capable of it. So um, that's a really good point, Stompy. It's that's something that if you trade him away, you're doing it at your uh, at your you know you, you're you're basically saying that you know the the guy you've seen this year is going to be the guy moving forward, and not you know he's not going to be able to revert to what he did last year. So um, that's interesting too in my eyes. 
Yeah, and 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 again, just to add on to to my uh, Terry McLaren love here, you know, I I think we we praise receivers oftentimes when you know, I mean, one of the one of the really attractive things about DeAndre Hopkins is it doesn't matter who's throwing him the ball. He's now he's also one of the best that's played the game. So it's like, hey, you know, I get it. I'm not I'm not saying that Terry McLaren is in that stratosphere, but. We, we praise Nuke. We praise, you know, you see what's happened to Juju in Pittsburgh. And I love Juju. But you see what's happened there with bad quarterback play. This dude's got Case Keenum throwing him the ball. And Colt McCoy throwing him the ball. And, you know, Haskins throwing him the ball. So, to me, like, I'm I'm excited about the prospect of, okay, look, the, guy, the guy's the wide receiver 14 right now, missing a game, and he's playing with junk quarterbacks. So if they get a decent quarterback in there at any point in the next couple of years, I'm really excited about that, especially in Dynasty. I mean, and that's fair. I, 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 we're we're comparing the quarterbacks of Terry McLaurin, and it's let's just be realistic. Compared to the rest of the league, it's it's bad, and he's yeah. producing. So, um, by the way, Sonny Michelle has six targets in the last two games. They're coming. He's he's taking them. He can three, do it. We saw him. <laughs> uh, all right, we have a we have another question in the chat. This is more for Debbie slash rookies. All right uh, from Robbie McPhee. If you guys have the have the time, rank these twenty twenty prospects from one through five in Superflex Swift. So that's DeAndre Swift to a tie to a uh, Jordan. That was beautiful stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Taylor, Judy, Etienne. Well, I can guess who James is going to put at number one here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. go ahead and tell the people, James. Yeah. my I, Look, my number one is Jonathan Taylor. For a long time. Yeah, I, for a long time. Honestly, for a long time, it was swift for me. I, I, I think both these running backs are really special. Um I really like both of them, but to me, Taylor answered all the questions that he had this year. Fumbling was an issue. He hasn't, he hasn't had that. It hasn't been a non-issue this year. Um, catching the ball out of the backfield. He is, he's excelled at it. He's been fantastic catching the ball out of the backfield. And to me, while he, while he's going to come in with more mileage than Swift, he's also proven he can be that bell cow every down type back and Swift hasn't. He's done it in a timeshare for the most part. And so to me, it's Taylor. Um, I, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be special. I think, I think I see a lot of Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor. I know that that's kind of a, a, I hate the fact that I'm using that, that comparison because a lot of people use it, but I really do see a lot of it. I think Taylor is, is a lot like Nick Chubb and I expect him to be that kind of a back. I'm not totally sold on to a, um, Personally, I know Trevor Lawrence has gotten a lot of flack this year because he hasn't looked as good as he has in the past. I would still rather take Trevor Lawrence over to a um, personally, even if I had to wait a year. So for me, Taylor's my my number one, but I'd like to hear who you guys have number one. I mean, it's super flex. It's Tua for me. Yeah, same. Uh, I mean, uh, it's it takes a special, special talent for – a running back to go over a QB for me. And that I, and we're talking like Saquon Barkley type talent. That a boy. Because well, and, and, and we'll say Nick Chubb as well, but like 
last year is is a little bit different because you do have if if Saquon didn't exist, Nick Chubb would be the hype of that class. And so you had two, and I'm going to say something that's going to set people on edge, two generational talents. And I know that doesn't make, that doesn't make any semblance of sense. I get it. Um, but you had two fantastic talents at running back to the point where it's like they're, they're can't, they, they were can't miss for me, at least. I know people had guys in there. Um, and then you, but, but then you had Baker, Darnold, Rosen, basically back to back to back there. So it, I like Jonathan Taylor. I really do. And I like DeAndre Swift and I like, like Travis Etienne and I could k- keep naming, but when you have a guy who's going to be a starting quarterback like Tua right away, and he's been phenomenal in back-to-back seasons now. I mean, he has 27 touchdowns to one interception in six games this season. I mean that's phenomenal, and he's and, and he's on pace to throw for over four thousand yards as well. I just I I don't know how you don't pick a QB a starting QB right off the bat for me. And, but but I mean your your argument makes sense in my head. Uh, but it's got to be two on superflex for me. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I, it, it doesn't have anything. And, and James, the one thing that I'll say, I mean, I, I really, I really like Jonathan Taylor too, and I've seen him in person now twice. So, you know, he's spectacular. He really is. He's a fantastic running back, and I think his game models really well to the to the NFL. I mean, I think he projects well to the league. Um, so that that's just kind of what I wanted to say on Jonathan Taylor because I don't have a problem with you having him there. Just for me it's it's exactly what Stom said. I just think quarterbacks, you know, and especially I mean where Tua is a good one. He's he's not he he's a good one. I mean, if you watch Alabama games, you know, when Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and the rest of that receiving core is catching deep balls or inter- even intermediate passes, I mean, it is absolutely in stride at full speed. They don't stop or make an adjustment on balls, period. I mean, he's putting them exactly where they're supposed to go every single, not every single time, but more than he isn't for sure. Um, I mean, he just makes it look really easy. And I think that you know, I, I think that he's going to be drafted in the first three picks, probably the first two picks. Um, and and he's gonna go be somebody's starter for the next however long. So that's why I'd have him above those running backs. Um yeah, so he 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 would be my one as well. And then are we going through the rest of the the guys as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, we probably okay. should. So my so here's so here's the rest of mine. So I have two of one. I have Swift two, but it's very, very close with Taylor. And I I think that's a pick'em. Uh, and I don't have a problem with either of those guys going going after Tua. Um and then I have Jerry Judy, and, and then I have Travis Etienne or Etienne or however the hell you pronounce it. Um I, here, here's the one thing I would say about this with Judy, though. Um it, I would probably, if I had a high draft pick, if I had a top five draft pick, I'd probably would take one of these other guys and try to trade back in and get Henry Ruggs at the end of the first round because I think he's just as talented, just as explosive, and is going to be just as good in the league. So that's kind of 
my thought process with Jerry Judy. I like Judy a lot. He's fantastic, but I, you know, there's some other, um, there's some other receivers that should be available kind of towards the end of the round. So I might try to take one of those running backs early if I'm not getting to a, um, and, and then trade back in and grab one of those other receivers, Lavishka or, or, um, this, yeah, or Henry Ruggs. This, um, class is just so deep. Yeah. Like you're really like, that's probably the best advice. If you're not going to get Tua in a super flex league trade back, because we're forgetting about guys like Eno Benjamin and Cam Akers has shown his old self uh, from his what sophomore season or was it his freshman season? Freshman season, yeah, yeah, his freshman. But he's showing his old self. Like we're seeing, I mean, and then you have like Ty Johnson and Colin Johnson and Brian Edward, like T Higgins. Like I mean, this thing, so it deep. goes so deep into the second round that it's probably worth trading back because maybe you get a slight slight downgrade at a given position, but you could also gain two players that make up for that. Um, I guess I, I'm I'm the same with you. I actually have Judy at five, Etienne at four. So I have Tua, Swift, Taylor, Etienne, Judy. Um, it's just it's really hard to rank these top guys right now. Um, because they're all so good. I I for me, it's basically in Superflex, Tua is number one, and then everybody else is kind of a jumble. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and list my my top five here, and uh, we, we will have time to get into this kind of later. Um, I don't want this show to become an, an entire debate on Debbie guys when we have another question in here and some other stuff to discuss. But I will say Jonathan Taylor is my one, um, and DeAndre Swift is my two. I have Jerry Judy three with Tua four and Etienne five. I am not sold on Tua at all. Um, and again, we can, we'll have time. I mean, we, the three of us are going to debate this over and over and over, I'm sure in the off season and, and, uh, and moving forward. Um, but, uh, but that to me is why Tua isn't my 1.01. I think normally if there was a quarterback I was sold on, I would take them over um, a position player. So I do agree with the, the philosophy there that, that you kind of put out Stompy. Um, but I just, I don't think Tua, I mean, I'll just make a real short kind of point on Tua. I think sometimes the supporting cast can make a player look better, and I think that's the case with Tua. Anyways, uh, just those receivers. I mean, Ruggs, uh, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, Shavers. I, they, they just they have so many receivers on that team that can that. I mean, they can. Those guys can make plays, and I'm not saying that that Tua isn't making plays with them, but um, I just wonder if this guy goes to Miami. Um, yeah, those receivers aren't what he's used to throwing to that offensive line. Isn't what it is in Alabama. I'm, I'm curious to see how he would adjust to a team like that, because I feel like that's a team, you know, it's going to be a team like that. That's going to end up landing his services. Um, so that that's what concerns me moving forward. But anyways, those, those are my top five. I think we all are pretty, pretty much have Etienne towards four and five. And that's interesting to me because, uh, he's definitely a boomer bust prospect, but I think his lack of contribution in the pass catching game is probably what uh what has scared me at least a little bit away from him so um but yeah i do think you're talking about etienne sorry yeah yeah no yeah i agree and that and that's really the only reason i have 
Swift above uh, Taylor right now is because Swift has that 32 catch season. He has a 17 catch season well on his way to another 30 catch season this season. But Jonathan Taylor is just a monster of a person. <laughs> like Nobody can stop him. So honestly, with most of these running backs, I don't think you're really going to go wrong. But let's move on to uh, another question in the chat from our own, the big Irish, John McGlynn. Um, he, he asks, in a win-now dynasty team looking to solidify my roster and only need a running back to have a completely balanced roster, would you trade a 2021st for Mixon, Mac, or Fournette? If so, which one? Hmm. Interesting. What do you guys think? Um, so it's a later first. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would. I probably would. Here, here, here's the thing. I mean, I mean, I would say I would pay that for Mixon easily moving forward. He's just been really bad this year. So if you're contending and you're looking for a guy to solidify your contending roster, he doesn't exactly fit that bill this season. Um, the other two, you know, I, I think are probably worth that um, to a contending team. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I if, if, if I was trying to make a real push, uh, yeah, I'd do it. I'd do it. I wouldn't feel great about it because, again, we, we just talked a minute ago about how, how good this class is top to bottom, uh, you know, and how deep it is. So I wouldn't feel great about it. But, yeah, if you're making a push, I think that's a reasonable price to pay for those guys. So I think Mixon's being misused under Zach Taylor right now. Uh, I think he's only running eight routes a game and he was probably the second best pass catcher behind Christian McCaffrey in that class. He's just not being used that way and he needs to be. Um, so yeah, I, I think Mixon's worth a first, but of the three and if you're trying to win now, it's, it's four net for me. Um, because Fournette is actually so he's he's the RB nine right now, uh, but he's involved in the pass game is the big thing. He his lowest target uh, total was three in week four. In f in five of six games he's played, he's had six or more targets, and he's had double digit fantasy points in every game this season. So yeah, I mean he. He's had three straight games as well of 20 plus attempts. So you're, I mean, you're getting monster amounts of volume. And if you're in win now, it, it's got to be Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing about this is, is, I mean, I don't know that a ton of us saw this coming in, in terms of the, in terms of the receiving work. I mean, obviously he gets the volume in the running game, but the, the receiving work has been a really pleasant, change in that offense for him so um but yeah i agree i mean i think i i think i i again i would personally probably pay a 2021st for e any of those three if i was making a push and needed to solidify my roster having said that i think the preference would be again given that you're trying to win this year i think it's fournette then probably Mixon and mac really wow see i'm i'm 
that that shocks me a little bit just because I, I think I'm higher on Mac than I think most are. I think I just I, I have more confidence in Mac moving forward than I do Fournette. At any point that that ankle could become an issue again. Um I just I don't like trusting Fournette, especially if I'm trying to win it now. Like I need somebody week in and week out that's gonna be available that's gonna be there. And I think I would trust Mac to be that guy more than I would trust Fournette to be that guy. If I'm giving up a uh, first this year and I'm in win now mode, um, I do think I, you know, obviously I, I think Fournette's numbers have been better. I just, man, I mean that's that's such a scary proposition to trade away. I mean, we just went over the top five guys in the 2020 class. I, I, well, at least you know five of the top players in the 2020 class. There are so many more that we listed. You're giving up a chance to get one of those guys to win now. If you do that and Fournette hurts himself, man, like you are really kicking yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I get it, but the amount of volume that he gets, like, and if you're in win now, now you're you're probably aiming at a later first round pick. Um and and it, and I think it really depends on what your philosophy overall is like, is it trying to compete every year forever, which I think is everybody's philosophy in the first place, but, or do you want to try and win, win now? And especially in those money leagues where you can pay for your next five years because you don't, you just won a a league. I'm always for win now. Um, I love rebuilds. I do. But if you can win it right now, I'm all for going for it. And I think Fournette, because of the volume, because of where the teams are at, I would, I want Fournette. I'm taking that chance on Fournette, especially because he is among the league leaders in RB targets this season. Yeah, I, you make a lot of good points there, too. I mean, that that really makes a lot of sense to me, too. If you're going to go for it, you might as well go for the guy that you think is going to put you over the hump. I just I, I guess if, if that's the case, if I come to that conclusion that Fournette's the guy that I would trade for, I probably wouldn't make the deal. I probably couldn't pull the trigger. Um personally. And I know if you're in win now, you know, that's, that's, you kind of want to want a piece. I guess I would just keep looking. Um, I keep looking for a piece that I could find um, from maybe somebody else's roster that I feel better about. And it's not, like you said, Stompy, the volume's there and, and he's getting, you know, he's getting targets and, and, and all that. It's just, you know, with that high volume comes a higher risk of him getting hurt. And this guy's already a risk at getting hurt. So I, it just, it, to me, it just, it, it concerns me too much. I can't, uh, I wouldn't be able to pay up a first for, for a guy like that for a rental for one year. Um, not knowing, you know, just with the risk that's involved with him. So uh, here's a question then. What do you think Leonard Fournette's value is? It's interesting. I mean, this year he's getting a lot of volume. Um, he's getting a lot of work in the past pass catching game, but I mean, in the off season, we were really worried about Fournette, weren't we? We we're worried about the injury history. We we're worried about his role in that offense. It didn't seem like he was getting along very well with with front office or management or whatever. And uh, and so you know, so much can change in a year. I guess to me, I still don't have confidence long term that this guy can stay healthy. Um, and that's that's my bugaboo is I, I'm I'm not at a position where health you know is always. You know, these guys are taking so many hits. I don't want somebody who's going to be a risk like that. So 
to me, it's probably that first. I mean, I, I don't think you're overpaying by trading a first for him. Um, I just don't know if that's the piece I want to rely on week in a week out this year to try to win me a, win me a championship. Um, I, I don't think it's a, not a, a terrible long-term buy only because even if he only has two or three years left in him, um, you know, you're still getting a high end production for two or three and two or three years, uh, especially with the volume being what it should be at, you know? So I don't think the price is bad. I just don't think that's the kind of player I would want for a push to win it right now. Um, I just wouldn't, wouldn't trust it. Here's John's follow-up. Would you trade David Johnson for a 2021st to a win now team? If so, tell him, tell him to send it. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I have a little bit more faith in David Johnson than I do one and four net. So um, if John wants to negotiate, he can come on air and do it. Dang it. He doesn't have to do it through the chat. So McGlenn, you, 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 we, we uh, we'll be podcasting later. All right. Uh, you know, I'll see you on Friday. We'll talk, but, uh, but no, I, I, uh, that's to me, that's interesting. I, I, David Johnson's value has really kind of sunk low, but guys, look, before we go, I do, want to talk about one topic. Okay. So I just want to make sure we get a fit in here. Stompy, you and I called something this year and it's finally coming to fruition. <laughs> and I need to talk about it. Yes. Because, because we were told we were nuts. We're crazy. It's never going to happen. And Ryan Tannehill has finally done it. He has supplanted Marcus Mariota from the starting lineup of the Tennessee Titans. So now we get to see Tannehill do it. So, let me ask you guys: what, Do you have any expectations for that offense? For for is is Corey Davis going to be better? Is is AJ Brown going to be a guy? Is is that offense going to be any better now that Tannehill's there? No, I mean, no. It, it's a run first team regardless. So I I don't that doesn't change with Tannehill. <laughs> I. Yeah, no. Let's let's be realistic. Tannehill was not is not a good QB. He's just better than Mariota. I here's the thing though. Okay, so we Stompy, you and I have been going back and forth with John Hogue, right? And our our uh, co-host John Hogue, who has been such a Mariota truther, and and let's not forget John McGlynn, who still is is I I mean a, a Mariota fanboy. So those guys have been have been you know really giving it to us with the Mariota bit, right? So. I, I want to see John Hogue specifically. I want to see his head explode because if Corey Davis does really well with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback, he's going to have to admit that one of his favorites, Corey Davis, is finally arrived because of Ryan Tannehill. And I just I want to see it happen because he's he's such a stand for Mariota that uh, that this would be really interesting. I I just want to see it. I, I want to see it happen. I want to see how he would approach that. It would almost be like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the, the family guy episode where they hire a robot to follow him around um, and agree with him. It's kind of a yes man. And he's like, uh, uh, says it's a great day outside. He's like, absolutely. It's a great day. The robot says, and Peter tells him, well, it's kind of a little rainy. Yeah, it is rainy. And it, you just kind of gets him to, gets him to, to explode because, you know, he keeps contradicting himself. I think that's how it would be with John Hogue. He would just continue to like, stick up for both of them and not be able to. Um, so I, I want to see it happen so bad. That's, I, that's all I wanted to say. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and, and ultimately this is the battle of mediocrity 
or not even like bad QBs. Like we're talking about two not very good QBs. I but no. I would I would very much laugh if Corey Davis finally had the season that people were expecting yes, from yes. under Tannehill. Gregory Costello in the chat had just called it the clash of the Titans, Tannehill versus <laughs> Mariota. So we know this is, this is big time. We're not the only ones to think it. Everyone is realizing this is big time right here. So oh, yeah, I, I just, I had to fit that in. We had to, we had to talk about Tannehill because something we called it, man. I mean, John we Hogue, were, John Hogue, you were wrong. We were right. That's right. That's right. All right, guys, if there are no other questions in the chat, we are approaching an hour here. So I think that will do it for us mm-hmm. tonight. Thanks again for everybody who joined us live and asked questions. Thank you to my co-host, James the Brain at underscore James the Brain and Brian Har at Brian Har FF. I am, of course, Stompy. You can find me at FF Stompy. Follow the show at Superflex Show. Um, for any announcements, any of our episodes coming out. We are doing five episodes a week. Brian always does the SOPs at the beginning of the week with our with our co-host, John Hogue. Uh, we do a regular three-man show on Tuesdays, obviously lives on Wednesdays. And then Thursday, Friday, we do our start sits. So always tune in to those, um, follow or, or subscribe to the Superflex Super Show on Podbean, on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts or on the DLF family of podcasts. And uh, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. As always, stay sexy and super flexy. There you go. Thanks a lot, everybody. Yeah.